It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast. This is a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. As always, we would like to thank all our listeners for their support. Please continue to listen to us and spread the word about our podcast to your cricket-loving friends. If you haven't done so already, please uh, subscribe to our podcast on the platform that you're listening to us on, be it Podbean, Apple Podcast, Spotify, CastBox, or anything like that. You can find us there quite easily by searching for Armchair Cricket Podcast. And do not forget to leave us a rating, preferably five-star uh, rating, and uh, provide your feedback. You can reach out to us by email. Our email address is armchair.cricket at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at armchaircrickpod. I'm very happy to announce that we have more than 100 followers on Twitter now. Thank you, guys. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. Uh, all the links are in the description box below. Now, continuing with our focus on World Cup team selection, we have a feature uh, on South African cricket team. We are joined today by Nakul of Guerrilla Cricket fame for this section. I would like to welcome Nakul to this podcast. Hello, Nakul. How are you doing? Thank you for joining us. Hi, Hi there, Giri. Pleasure to be on. Good to hear from you. Hi. So, uh, Ajit, are you still there? Hi, Giri. So, uh, first of all, we would like to say, Nakul, uh, thank you uh, for, you know, taking part in our uh, podcast. And uh, we would really appreciate your uh, views. And also, you know, uh, you, you are now a part of the Guerrilla Cricket family. They called you Guerrilla Panda, did they? <laughs> Today? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sometimes the nicknames uh, take a little bit of a while to get going. I think this is the very early stages. Uh, yeah, I've been involved with Guerrilla Cricket for most of the life of Guerrilla Cricket under this name. I, I 
came on initially in August 2014 and have just got more and more involved in the in the guerrilla cricket uh, mission and family both on and off air. Um, it's been really amazing to see uh, how much we've grown and how much further we still have to grow. Indeed. I mean, uh, as I was uh, telling you off air, I mean, uh, we really are uh, backers of Kerala cricket. We always try to tune in when possible. Also, we would like to see you guys grow. The perspective that you offer is very unique and that should be allowed to grow and, uh, you know, uh, do very well out there. Let's hope that happens. Thank you very much. And it's also, we uh, interact on Twitter quite a bit, uh, both um, in my personal capacity and uh, with Guerrilla Cricket. And it's uh, always a pleasure. Thank you. All right, then. So on to the business at hand. We have uh, our trivia question from last week to begin with. So the trivia question from last week was, who is the oldest World Cup winning captain? Uh, that is the ODI World Cup winning captain. So Nakul, did you uh, have a chance to get an answer to this one? Or do you know the answer to this one? Would you like to offer a guess, maybe? I'm pretty sure that I know the answer. And if I'm not mistaken, it was his last ever game of international cricket. Is it? The current Prime Minister of Pakistan, Mr. Imran Khan. Absolutely. Right in one. Yes, the answer is Imran Khan. He was 39 years, 5 months and 20 days old. That is the oldest captain who ever won a World Cup. Right? Three years I short think, of the full Mizbah. Yeah, full Mizbah. We are also fans of Mizbah and Yunus here. And indeed, indeed. Strong people there. I would very much like to know what they eat. Anywho. Uh, <laughs> What they eat and what what not. So uh, at the end of the day, uh, he I think he was probably just hanging on, but I think he deserved his place in the eleven right after the World Cup. I think he was very productive with the bat and also his nows and let's say his leadership skills were the what won Pakistan the Cup, weren't they? Nakul. It's pretty hard to argue with Imran's uh, achievements in the 1992 World Cup, taking a uh, a squad which was kind of composed of players at the extreme ends of the age and experience spectrum. Um, obviously, when you have the bowlers of the quality of Wasim Akram and, uh, and Mushtaq Ahmed, you're going to do, uh, you, you have a chance. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, Imran was an inspirational leader. Uh, and the, uh, and that, that Pakistan 1992 World Cup, I'm sure, was formative for a lot of my, uh, a lot of my Pakistani cricket friends of um, kind of late 20s, early 30s. Uh, yeah, and, uh, yeah it, it's, you can't really argue with the results, can you? Indeed, indeed. I mean, they were corner tigers. They had to win seven or eight matches in a row. All of it is folklore, isn't it? So, of course, um, well, also going forward, I think um, many of the, the golden generation of Pakistani cricketers were in that team, in Jamaabul Haq, Asim Akram. I think uh, Wakar missed it due to injury, but uh, also some greats from the eighties, um, late eighties, and also into nineties. Ramesh Raja, Salim Malik, all of these people, Javed Miandad, they were all in that team. So it was sort of the golden era, you could say, right? Pakistan cricket, maybe. It's kind of the end of one golden era and the start of another. The, the, the Pakistan, Pakistan were extremely strong through the uh, through the nineties, led by Wasar and Wakar and Wasim, uh, mm-hmm. with, with, the, with the spinners like of Saklen and Mushtaq Ahmed, and that. Uh, that co- that batting core built around in the mom, and as you say, coming out of the the 80s generation, the sort of the great sort of warring titans of Javed and Iran. Mm-hmm. Of course. Well, I mean, it was an interesting story. We can probably do an episode on that itself, right? It was quite interesting the what they had to say and do. All good. Uh, so okay, uh, now uh, I think uh, let's go on with uh, let's say the IPL highlights section, Giri. So what happened, man? You were very happy with RCB. What happened? 
No, I never said I was happy with RCB. I'm never happy with them. <laughs> you weren't. I don't well, even what? support them now. <laughs> One, what you not the? I have defected. I have defected. <laughs> no. This is crazy. You lasted this long. Come on, come on, guys. Uh, don't believe him, Nakul. He is the guy that was circulating all these WhatsApp messages with calculations written on paper, saying how RCB can still qualify for finals. Now he's saying something else. This You're right. Strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. Well, I, thankfully, I didn't do that because I think it would have been a, an utter waste of time. Uh, any mathematical chance of you know qualifying for the knockout phases, I think it's almost out of the window now. Now that they have lost another match, so the victory was basically a flash in the pan, right? Uh, so I don't even want to talk about this. You know, it's it's not worth our airtime. I would say we're just going to waste our energy talking about it on and on and on. You know. is better come on anywho i mean there are all these memes right nakul i don't know if you are part of any nice indian communities or whatsapp communities i mean so usually there are all these ipl memes going around and the one ipl meme for rcb is um, a guy apparently wakes up from coma in 2050 and he asks did rcb win he was waking up from coma when he went into coma now that's what i meant and he wakes up from coma after 30 years and he asks did rcb win and they said no no this time the cup is ours or isala cup nam de as they said say in canada so i don't think that's going to change rcb they have such a i mean there are there are my myriad of problems maybe we don't need to go into that but well let's move on kiri how about this awesome awesome crash that uh, sunrisers hyderabad suffered 8 for 15 against uh, deccan chargers i think nakul you were covering it right from gerila cricket I think you seem to have time warped back a few years if you're thinking that the that uh, the Deccan Chargers are still in the IPL. Yeah, there's the sunrises on the sunrises on Monday. I, really, I think actually the the game was almost done before the crash started. We were covering it on Guerrilla Cricket and just watching David Warner get more and more stuck. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, he just became almost strokeless towards the end. And uh, similarities actually with the game that's just happened today between the Rajasthan Royals and the Kings XI Punjab. the the chasing team just gets themselves into a a huge hole which means that the lower order have no choice but to try and hit every single ball for six and you know not everyone has an Andre Russell uh, lurking in their lower mm. order uh, and so the and so the collapse happened to be interesting to see how the sunrisers go against chennai tomorrow they've not got a good record against chennai but you know now they it looks like they need a they need to win tomorrow just to kind of keep pace with the uh with the sort of the rest of the playoff pack and i think Delhi Capitals being actually good this year has slightly upset everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've come good, really good on the right time. They have won three matches on the trot, haven't they? So they've upset a few calculations, I'm sure. But I mean, if I were to offer a counterpoint to what you said, Nakul, look in today's match, the match that finished today just before we started, I think KL Rahul was in a similar sort of a situation, right? He was sort of around a strike rate of 110, 50, 55, didn't he? That's all he made, but when you look at what the rest of the order around him did they were chasing 156 what uh, today the kings 11 punjab ended up with was around 172 or 174 or something but what 182 182 sorry you're right so in that case you can take that off because you can take a 25 run off that because that's all they needed so it, they were chasing so let's give them that 25 run benefit but i'm going to blame the rest of the middle order here kane williamson 3 ricky boy 7 vijay shankar 1 Look, that, that that wouldn't do. I know, I know that maybe uh, Bairstow was okay, strike rate of 130, that was fine. Uh, Warner was stuck, that that happens, you know. But all it takes is one, you know, one spell of three boundaries or four boundaries in five balls or some such, and that strike rate is immediately caught up. That's how I look at it, at least, right? 
these great players have that capacity but the problem is nobody see there was also a david miller today who made a 30 i think and i think chris gale sort of played what johnny bestro did but there were people who supported him down the order is what i'm trying to say that never happened there in a chase he was sort of holding one end very good that's sort of a bonus if if two people came and went to at um, i don't know 16 out of 8 out 16 out of 10 out the chase is actually broken because the rest of the people who come can do something that's why i would like to say i would like to blame williamson bhui and shankar and huda huda tried to stick around but really he did not have any choice but also they dropped yusuf pathan this match do you have anything to say nakul maybe yusuf had a bad game the game before uh he was dropping an absolute sitter of a catch uh i think that the the team composition of the sunrisers has changed this year with the the two dynamic overseas openers uh it means that they've gone away from what was a strength last year with the incredibly settled batting including gone the one overseas all rounder last year it was Shakib and for uh-huh. this year it's been Mohammed Nabi who's been superb yeah. for the yeah. Sunrisers someone had to go to get Kane Williamson back into the 11 because they wanted that because obviously you're not going to drop Rashid Khan you're not going to drop Bairstow and Warner the way that well, certainly the way Bairstow is playing I think Warner's slowed down a little bit towards the latter part of the IPL although obviously he's always mm. capable So you've only got one overseas slot. Williamson's yeah. going to take it. I think Williamson's innings was poor. I think it yeah. uh, just at the time where they needed to, they needed what Williamson can do is that ability to score quite quickly in quite a risk-free manner as he did through the whole of last year. Uh, I think that uh, his innings, I think you can you can apply some culpability to him. But really, the the middle order of the, of the Sunrisers, it's a difficult situation once the run rate starts getting. Uh, higher and higher and higher. I think it's. I think a lot of chasing teams have fallen into this trap this year, of of not giving themselves that that sort of buffer zone for a slowdown. Is why not go? Uh, why not try and go harder at the top of the innings? Why not try and be a little bit more proactive at the start of the innings? Get ahead of the run rate, and then all the balls in your court at that point, rather than uh, trying to go kind of at a bare minimum, and then you lose mm. a couple of wickets, or there's a couple of tight overs from the spinners. Uh, as yeah. happened the other day, and then you're into a situation where it's you know you need a Dre Russ type innings, and you know not everyone's got a Dre Russ. Even Dre Russ can't do it every game. No, 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 he can't. Well, I mean to wrap it up, I think a lot of credit goes to I think Kimo Paul and Mishra. The, between mm-hmm. them, they had I think a six-seven over spell together, where they sort of completely took the momentum out of the game, as far as you know, Sunrisers was concerned, because they completely bottled them. and that's where you know williamson 3 of 8 bhui 7 of 12 it's not bad in the context in 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 an overall picture it's not too bad but in this context it's not good right because warner was stuck so anyway uh, that was a very interesting collapse i mean it was almost siddhuesque as you would say jalandhar cycle stand collapse at 8 for 15 or whatever but that was surprising it showed how paper thin the middle order is even though there are big names on paper the middle order is very thin right So, uh, but they have some thinking to do. I think they lost three on a bounce as well. Sunrisers. They started really well, but something for them to think, right, Nicole? Yeah, for sure. And they've they've relied for so long on the on the on the bowling, um, on the particularly the led led by the Indian seamers. I think Bhuvi hasn't quite been his usual self. I think he's been good, but uh, occasionally hittable towards the end. So, Deep Sharma, I think, has had a tre- pretty decent year. Siddharth Kaul is now uh, out of the attack again. Uh, the role of Rashid Khan is very interesting. I think a lot of teams are, are sort of playing him out a little bit and being very cautious against him, and so he hasn't been quite as devastating as he was last year. I mean, that that can be a benefit if you've got a guy taking wickets at the uh, the other end because you can't have 
uh, you can maybe play out one bowler for six or seven and over. You can't play out two bowlers for six or seven uh, and over. Uh, but you know, I think the Sunrisers' aura of being able to defend anything has gone slightly, and it's interesting to see how they uh, how they respond to that. It's going to be interesting to see how they go. As I was saying, tomorrow it it's hard to see a way that they can get one of Shakib or Nubby back into the eleven uh, before uh, before Warner and Bairstow leave. Hmm. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that will be a real challenge to replace Warner and Best when they leave. It's going to be a big problem, I think. I don't do know if they They do have yeah. Martin Guptill as a potential yeah. overseas uh, yeah. opener. And Kane Williamson ha- opened through most of last year and did very well. So that, uh, maybe you open up another overseas slot there and you bring in back, back in one of the one of the all-rounders there. But it's it's not the way you'd prefer to, to get those guys back in because, I mean, no. Best has been a revelation this year. For sure. I mean, he's come off uh, age in a real, real, you know, forceful manner. I think England would be really happy about that. The way he's taken his chance at the top of the order in the one day or the short format setup, that's really good, right? All right. Oh, sure. Uh, sure. You were saying? Sorry, yeah, for sure, particularly coming up after a pretty poor tour of the West Indies with Johnny Bairstow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. All right, then. Now, uh, let's go on uh, and maybe... Uh, now we uh, can go on to the next section, which is the World Cup 2019 preview. So today, the team that we have chosen for preview is South Africa. They are uh, scheduled to announce their team in a couple of days' time. right? So we are recording this on the 16th of uh, April, but on the 18th, I think we can expect a squad. So uh, I think it's it's coming in the right time as far as we are concerned. So now, before we go on with, you know... Um, South African, uh, what, are, what are the possible players that we can look at and so on? I would like to give a quick um, historical perspective about South Africa and their performances in the World Cup so far, right? So, South Africa were not playing in the World Cup, a cricket World Cup between 75 and 1992. Everybody knows that uh, they were not a part of ICC because of other reasons. Once they were welcomed back into the fold, their first World Cup was 1992. Then, uh, already in the 1992, they were able to f- finish in the semi-finals and we all know what happened that stupid rain rule and they had one ball to score 22 runs or some such it was terrible but outside of that they've always been consistent they've they've been that you know that's the saying goes always the you know uh, bridesmaid never the bride sort of a situation for them with the you know uh, big uh, world tournaments when it comes to cricket or the limited horse cricket so they have been semi-finalists four times 92 99 2007 and 2015 and when you look at their uh, overall results, they played 55 matches. They won 35 of them, lost only 18, and tied two. One of those ties is that heartbreaking tie in the semi-final against Australia in 1999. I mean, that uh, air quotes clueless running, unfortunately. So I think this, these are all very famous games. I think everybody remembers them very, very well. Outside of that, also, they had a very, um, you know, a very bad semi-final against uh, Australia in 2007, where... Uh, sort of they were marmalized with just 149 batting first. I think too much nerves there. I think if you look at this uh, Australian lineup, they had uh, Tate McGrath, but Bracken was opening the bowling. I mean, I don't know what to say, but and Watson and uh, Brad Hogg were the other bowlers, but they were rolled over for 149. So uh, they have a bit of nerves. I think in the previous World Cup, in the I think uh, uh, when was it 2003 World Cup, I think they were knocked out by Brian Lara in the quarterfinal. So, if you look at it, they somehow have a bit of jitters when it comes to the knockout matches. In 2015, the same thing happened when um, uh, that famous shot where, uh, you know, Grant Elliott hit uh, Dale Stein out of the ground for a six and that finished the match. And uh, 
it was it was again very heartbreaking i remember the scene as if i saw it yesterday when dale stein simply crashed to the ground simply slumped to the ground and i think grant let himself went and had something polite to say to him or something nice to say to him but yeah those scenes stay with you the look on sean pollock's face when they got they got miscalculated in the home world cup in 2003 where when there was a duckworth lewis to be applied and they lost by one run to sri lanka all of those stay with us nakul you have anything to add here from south africa's you know world cup history anything that stands out for you I, I was wondering when when you were going to mention the the mis, the DRS miscalculation uh, to go out yeah, of the home yeah. world cup yeah, to yeah. A, a kind of a failure to add one or a failure to uh, to cross when a ball's in the air um that they had a good team going into the 2003 world cup and could genuinely have been considered one of the favorites obviously that australian team in 03 and 07 were incredibly strong um probably the strongest yeah. of the of their their world cup winning teams i think even stronger than 99 or or 2015 i was actually at uh i was lucky enough to be at the semi final last time at eden park in auckland uh for that incredible game against new zealand uh you know the 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 word that begins with c to him to imply running out of oxygen has been used to to yeah. describe yeah. that performance a lot the 2015 semi final doesn't come into that category that was a genuinely brilliant game of cricket which uh swung back and forth all over the place uh and yeah and yeah yeah south africa had their chances to win it new zealand had their chances to win it earlier uh ab and uh, it rained a couple of times i remember ab and uh, david miller were batting brilliantly before the uh before the rain uh, actually ab and faf were batting brilliantly before the rain came the first time round after they came back david miller hit the ball harder than i think i've ever seen anyone hit the ball Like the ball was bouncing back on uh-huh. boundary hoardings before anyone could blink, uh, yeah. and then they gave themselves a real go after McCullum started taking on took on Stain, and then they uh, South Africa came back in the middle overs. I think even AB bowled a little bit uh, in that oh, wow. in that in that game. Uh, but yeah, it was an extraordinary performance from Grant Elliott uh, against the, the country of his birth, um, of and you know you never heard forty thousand people being that loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in New Zealand, right? It was in that K. Was, what was it? Hamilton. It was at Eden Park in Auckland. Aiden. Basically, a rugby ground. Very short, straight boundaries, but the the stands kind of bow in towards each other, so the noise stays in the ground and it bounces around in there. And it was an extraordinary game and an extraordinary atmosphere. Mm, must have been quite a theatre to witness that. It, it was quite something. Um, it's, yeah. it's one of the great. It's one of the best games of cricket I've ever seen live. Oh, lucky you! I can imagine. I've I've had a chance. Well, I mean, I have a fantastic uh, record when it comes to home teams and uh, cricket matches. It is an unbroken record across uh, two continents and about uh, six to eight matches. The home team always loses, so I try to avoid <laughs> going to home team matches maybe if it's a knockout. So, but yeah, I mean, I could be there happily there because it was New Zealand and South Africa. But uh, all right, uh, maybe New Zealand would lose in that case. That that's what I would I was going to hint at. Anywho, um, going forward. If you look at the leading South Africa batters in the World Cup and bowlers, well, there are no surprises. The guy on top of the list for batting is Abdi Villiers, and the guy on top of the list for bowling is, uh, of course, uh, Alan Donald. So there are not a lot of surprises there. But uh, going on, I mean, if you were to quickly, quickly hark back to that uh, 1992 heartbreak, uh, do you recall anything about it, Nakul? Or uh... not? Not personally, I was far too young. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, obviously, I have. I have done the the required reading as have as have all uh, as have most cricket fans. Uh, yes, they they were on the wrong side of the the Richie Benno countback rain rule. Mm. Uh, and uh, again, 
a South African team that was very much of a type. It was all sort of big, burly all-rounders, really, and uh, and and fast bowlers. It wasn't a it wasn't a spectacular team by any means. It wasn't a team of particularly flair players. It was very much kind of the the model for uh, for South African cricket over the next few years of of kind of big, solid players, uh, enlivened by the magnificent Jonty Rhodes uh, with his with his sort of fired from a torpedo tube miss, uh, missile uh, yeah, fielding yeah. Uh, the, the famous run out and all and some, and some brilliant catches but uh, yeah a, a, a team that could uh, could have won that World Cup who knows whether they'd have beaten uh, beaten Pakistan in the final if it's, yeah, yeah. you know short of a time machine um, but I think that would I think talking to South African fans who were around at the time uh, it kind of came as a bit of a surprise that they were able to be so competitive after so many years um, where the the actions and policies of their government had uh, had isolated them from the world. Of course. But, I mean, it would have been a very fitting welcome back into the world cricket if they were to have won the World Cup in 1992. Because uh, when they were sort of banned in 70, I think they were the top-ranked team in the world because they had whitewashed South Africa, uh, sorry, Australia and whatnot, right? And that was a team that the members of that team are still spoken of in a very uh, glowing terms because all of those people, Eddie Barlow or Ali Barker or, you know, um, Barry Richards, uh, Graham uh, Pollock, all of those people, Peter Pollock, all of those people. So, uh, well, uh, we lost a generation of really, um, really bright uh, prospects. We, we could not see them because they were sort of restricted to play only in their own home country. Anyway, going forward, of course, the last thing I would like to talk about quickly is the 99 World Cup. Well, for me, it was like uh, I remember seeing that match. Also, in the 1992, uh, what uh, what stays with me is the look on the play, uh, faces of those players, the look on Klusner's face or Brian McMillan's face in 1992. It will not leave me, that haunted look. What have I done? What's going on here? You know, um, the Klusner single-handedly dragged them by the scruff of their neck. The match is gone. Even starting the last over with only one wicket in hand, nine runs to win and whatnot. First two balls go for a boundary, then it's done. Four balls, one run to win. Right? There's nothing left. And you could just wait it out. You could wait it out to the last ball and they panicked. Man, I can't believe what happened there. I mean, do you remember seeing this, Nicole? I do. The 99 World Cup was the first World Cup that I really followed closely. I have vague memories of my uh, my dad buying a small TV for the 96 World Cup, but it's sort of on in the background. But 99, I watched very, very avidly as a, as a young burgeoning cricket fan. Uh, and yeah, just the... Uh, Kind of hero worship Lance Klusner in the way that only a uh, only a small boy can uh, can hero worship. He was he was the first mm. cricketer. He and Shane Warne were the first cricketers that I really kind of latched onto as uh, as uh, obviously Sachin Tendulkar because you kind of being in an Indian family and 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 that kind of gets you sort of imbibe that almost whether you want to or not. But You're almost obliged. It, it just it ah. just happens. Sachin sort of happened to you at that mm. time. Um, but the India team was okay, not particularly spectacular, and probably got about as far as they deserved to get. But the, those uh, Lance Klusner um, thrilled me in that in that '99 uh, World Cup, and I had a decent World Cup in '03 uh, as well. But uh, yeah, the kind of a, a player who probably you know had he been around you know, even five or six years later, but certainly ten years later, who knows what his what his career would have been? You know, you, you think of what Lance uh, Lance Klusner would have gone for in an IPL auction. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he had some uh, disagreements with a certain Graham Smith, if I remember right, who was so that's young what, that, yeah. Yeah, that's why he didn't last much longer than, uh, and uh, just didn't really much last much longer into the Graham Smith 
Right, and I remember being very disappointed about that because of my memories of '99 and how how brutal and devastating Klusner was uh, was so fresh. Indeed, I mean he was the prototype, right, of all these hitters that we see now. Anyway, so now we have to go uh, on to the um, you know the set of players that could sort of make South Africa squad for 2019 World Cup. So I think you you have a squad of your own, and uh, we have sort of come up with a squad on our own as well. So shall we do it like this, Nakul? We'll first go through our squad. We'll just uh, or uh, let me put it the other way. You can start by saying your squad. You're the guest. So, you know, our culture says the guest gets the preference. Why don't you come up with your squad first? And then maybe we can go through our squad and we can see the differences. Not a problem. So the, the way I've done this is that I've gone for a sort of a probable starting 11 and then the four, um, not bench players, but the four sort of the other squad players who will come in maybe as the tournament progresses. So I've got Hashim Amala and Quinton de Kock opening, Rossi van der Dusen, Faf Duplessis, David Miller, J.P. Dumini, Andile Pesquayo, Kaisa Rabada, Dale Stame, Imran Tahir, Lungi and Gidi. Then my sub-batter is Rita Hendricks. My sub-all-rounder is Dwayne Pretorius. My sub-spinner is Debrace Shamsi. And my sub-seamer is Anrich Nokia. Well, I mean, that's a fantastic squad because I see only one difference, literally one difference. We've picked Hashim Amla, you've picked Riza Hendricks. I picked Hashim Amla and Riza Hendricks. Then whom have you left out? I'm Aiden Markram, possibly. Yeah, Aiden, missed... Markram is the, Aiden Markram yeah. is the player I've left out. All right, all right. So, let's go into that. I mean, look, our squads are 13, 14 the same, so to say. Or, yeah. So, it's you have uh, Riza Hendricks, we have Aiden Markram. So, let me go into this. First of all, if you were to look at the opening slot, you have chosen Amla to open, have you? With Rasa Contribution? Uh, I've got Amla and Dukak opening. I don't, I don't ah, see any right, reason. Right, to, right. I don't see any reason to break up that partnership. I think they complement each other beautifully. Uh, Dukak is in superb form at the moment. He was he was brilliant for Mumbai the other night, and mm-hmm. as he was at the at the weekend of the losing calls, and he hits the ball. I think he really underperformed in the Champions Trophy in England, um, but uh, I think he could be a star of this of this World Cup. He just hits the ball so cleanly, and he's uh, he's devastating when he gets going. And I know there's a lot of talk about Hashimam. There's always been talk about Hashim Amla. He's one of those players who attracts criticism uh, when he's not playing well. And he's, he is a little bit older, but I think he's, the, he's an extraordinary one-day international player. Averages over 50, scores at a good rate, and has done so for many, many years. Uh, scores, I think his strike rate's in the, in the low 90s, and it has been uh, since a time when that was not a, a commonplace thing. Fastest to every single run, thousand run milestone that he's scored. It's only the fact that Virat Kohli has played so many more games uh, that he's been able to to rack up these uh, these uh, kind of first to ten thousand or so. But I think Amla is the fastest from two, every milestone from two thousand to eight thousand. His consistency has been incredible, and I think it would be a huge mistake for someone of that class and experience and uh, proven in England conditions as well. He was very very good in the Champions Trophy. Uh, last year, he's someone who can yeah. score it close to a runner ball with minimal effort. Seemingly, uh, I don't think that. I think if you know, you've got to be really sure if you're leaving a player of his class out. And I certainly don't see that Aidan Markham has put the ODI numbers together to to warrant that. Uh huh. Well, I mean, uh, and, for me, uh, yeah, go on. And then you're looking at the guys like Rossi van der Dusen and. And Peter Hendricks, who are uh, who are relatively 
new to the 11 uh, or new to the South African uh, setup and you know who can complement and who may benefit from Hashim Amla's experience and I, I wouldn't break up that opening partnership. Yeah, that makes sense as well. So uh, practically, I agree with everything you said. I have not a lot I can say against that. It seems very reasonable for me. And for me, well, let's go down the order then. You would have uh, Rasif Hunter Dusan at three, maybe, or Fafti Plessy at three and Rasif Hunter Dusan at four, one way or the other, right? Then going down, have, David Miller. Yeah, I, yeah, I have Rasif Hunter Dusan at three uh, because that's where he's been uh, performing strongly for South Africa. I think um, Faf seems. I think that that makes sense as a balance to an order for me. Fair enough, fair enough, and that's not something I can argue with at all. And then uh, you would have probably then David Miller, JP Domini, five and six. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Then you would have, let's say, a couple of all-rounders. You could have Dwayne Pretorius and Andile Pahlukwayo. Then possibly you have uh, two fast bowlers. Maybe, you know, uh, you could have uh, either, I would say, Rabada and uh, Dale Stein definitely start, right? And then one spinner, maybe Imran Tahir. Or maybe even Lunga Ingedi gets in. I don't know. How, how do you look at that? Yeah, well, my my eleven has the it's a little bit, the tail's a little bit long because you've got um you've got the three you've got the three pace bowlers of Rabada, Stein and and Gidi with with Tahir. I think Tahir and Rabada are absolute uh, absolutely going to write them in in stone. Um, you're not no one's going to win this World Cup or get far in this World Cup without a good spinner. And Imran Tahir is one of the very best. Uh, and uh, and Rabada's world class also. Uh, Stein, mm-hmm. uh, white ball performance are not his strongest uh, for sure, and he is. Uh, closer to the end of his career than, it, than, than the start by a distance and coming back off these injuries. But he's still quick. He's still hostile. He still has the ability to uh, to be very dangerous if used correctly. Lungi Ngidi, uh, obviously fitness permitting, uh, mm-hmm. will uh, will be a, a very, very important player for, uh, for South Africa. Ditto, uh, Ditto Nokia, uh, who obviously has also missed the IPL. I think there's an element of the South African selectors being very cautious with their fitness uh, to make sure that they're absolutely fit for the uh, for the World Cup. So I've just got the one, well, sort of two all-rounders. You've got Dumini and, and Petal Quayo uh, mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, with Dwayne Pretorius as the backup all-rounder. There is an outside case for Chris Morris, but I think that it would be, uh, I think it is an outside case. Right, right. I mean, for me, then it more or less comes down. And the, of course, the additional spinner is the bridge, Shamsi. We both picked the yes. same guy. Yeah. Right? So that 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 sort of goes good. I don't see anybody else on the horizon who could really go along with Imran Tahir. That's that seems right. And you have you always have JP Dumini in the eleven who could also bowl a few hours, right? And whose contrast? These both are wrist spinners and he's a you know a finger spinner. So it's always good, right? So that's that's and I think uh, David Miller. I think uh, was it David Miller? No, no, no. I'm sorry. That was not David Miller. It was the other guy. It was I think Colin Ingram. He bowls some uh, fairly filthy leg breaks as well. Yes, He's Colin not, Ingram is not. Colin Ingram is not eligible for the African selection. Yeah, unfortunately not. Anyway, no. I, I somehow confuse these two all the time. So I thought it was David Miller. Then I realized it's Colin Ingram. So anyway, coming back. Uh, so yeah. So this brings us to the uh, one slot that we disagree on: Risa Hendricks versus Aidan Markram. Uh, so would you like to say why you chose Risa Hendricks? And I'll probably try to, you know, uh, yeah, I'll try to counter you with why I, I think Aiden Markram should go. Yeah, I can happily put my case. Uh, Aiden Markram is obviously a, a potential world superstar uh, in future, but his ODI numbers just don't stack up. His strike rate doesn't stack up for him to be, uh, his average doesn't stack up for him to be at the top of the order, and his strike rate doesn't stack up for him to be in the middle mm-hmm. order. I just don't mm-hmm. see a place for him at, the, at present. I think he's 
he could well become a, a very good ODI player in the future, but you don't pick World Cups for the future. Uh, Riza Hendrick, since, ever since he's come into the South African team, uh, has performed strongly. Uh, has uh, against okay, it was a semi second string Pakistan attack, but it's still a decent Pakistan attack. Still had Mohammed yeah. Amir, still had Junaid Khan, uh, still had all those guys, uh, and he performed very strongly uh, throughout. Uh, he's never let the South African down when they've uh, when they've uh, asked him to perform in a variety of different roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just think he balances the, the, the team and the squad uh, really well. Uh, Aidan Markham, uh, I'd go back in particular to the, when India toured at the start of 2018. Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, I was speaking to um, a colleague of mine, uh, occasional colleague of mine in Gorilla Cricket, Daniel Gallen, who writes mm. Wisdom, he's of a mind that, that, that his quick elevation to the captaincy and a sort of latter-day Graham Smith move uh, yeah. kind of ruined Aidan Markham for a little bit. And it, it put it put too much pressure on him in, in one day cricket to kind of, to be the man from the, from the very start. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, uh, it's held up his progress as a, as a one day player. I just, I don't see that the case is strong enough. Fair enough. So my counterpoints would be sort of everything you say sort of makes sense to me because one thing I definitely agree on, which I can't debate too much about is they wouldn't want to find another Graham Smiths. I think that was a one-off. It worked great. But uh, I think Aidan Makram should be allowed to develop on a normal basis, maybe 20, 28, 29, when he's ready in another four or five years of time. Maybe he can be, go become the captain. But they shouldn't look for another Graham Smith already. That was a really, really, you know, uh, that was one-off, I would say. So that I agree on. When it comes to the rest, look, I, I, I sort of see that both Aidan Makram and Riza Hendricks have played exactly 18 one day each. And Riza Hendricks, if anything, averages uh, three runs to the match less than Aidan Makram. And also his strike rate is about 10 uh, per 100 balls less than Makram. But for me, the main difference here is that Riza Hendricks is sort of a stickability sort of a player. I mean, I didn't, when I saw him bat, I didn't get the impression that he's like a free-flowing sort of a player. He's more of a, you know, Fafti Plessis sort of player. Fafti Plessis is like a, a glue that can hold, a, you know, batting order together. You have these stroke makers like David Miller, Jeffy Dumini, Hashim Amla, or touch players like Hashim Amla around him. He's the glue that can bind them all. So is Riza Hendricks. But Aidan Makram is more of a stroke maker. He's a hand-eye player or a, you know, touch player, as they say. And for me, I would always punt on this sort of a player. This is my first point. Second point uh, recently, in the last, uh, I think one day, they, I think they brought them back in for the last one day, right? I think he was rested for the first three one days. He went back to the domestic scene and scored heavily. And when he was brought back, he was opening, and well, it was not a very, very competitive Sri Lankan. Uh, let's say the series were not was not very competitive. The lineup was still okay, but they had it easy towards the end, I think. And Makram scored a 67 out of 75. Right there as well, sort of. I got the feeling this this is the one that they would punt with, or they would go ahead with. This is my feeling. So that's why I chose Aidan Makram. What do you have to say, Nato? Well, it's interesting looking at the how Riza Hendricks's strike rate breaks down because he has struggled as an opener for sure, uh, averaging what well, he averages five at, for, at one, twenty-five at two, but then mm. and sort of strike rates really kind of. Even in the 1970s, one-day players would be uh, would be struggling with. But then, if you look at his record at number three, where he's done uh, not quite most of his batting, but he averages, uh, but he's played seven games, averaging 38, 
at a strike rate of 98. I mean, that's that's uh, that's good. There is a role for for Reza Hendricks in the middle order. There is that flexibility mm. that you get with Reza Hendricks in the middle order. This is another reason, incidentally, why I would have Hashim Amla. And a lot of the talk is that Reza might open with uh, with Quinton de Kock. I think that that is. I think that would be a mistake. I think that would be uh, sacrificing a strength for the uh, for for no obvious reason. Uh, and he he scored those he scored those runs at three in South Africa and in uh, and in uh, Sri Lanka as well. As far as Aidan Markham's domestic run goes, we've seen this before a little bit with South African uh, with South African players. Is that the standard of domestic cricket is not always as strong as it needs to be, and it's not necessarily the case that someone who dominates at that level will be able to to make the step up, particularly particularly rather. Uh, when there's also an international tour going on at the same time, so those the first-class franchises are, are are weakened in that sense. I just think uh, Aidan Markham. I, I go back to that series that India, when India toured in in, uh, in South Africa at the start of 2018, we talked a little bit about the the captaincy weighing heavily on him, but he he really struggled against the spinners. He really struggled as soon as uh, Chahel or Kuldeep came into the attack. Uh, he just he didn't seem to have any answers. Uh, and mm, mm. you can bet your bottom dollar that people will be bowling spin to him. People even might. You look at the. You look at guys like Afghanistan will almost certainly start with uh, with spin early on. Yeah. Bangladesh might start with spin uh, early on, and and uh, it, it there's a serious possibility that uh, that Aidan Markham just could just become a complete break on the uh, on the innings if he doesn't if he doesn't get going. Uh, and, and I think there's more danger of that with Markham. Uh, yeah. than there is with with, with Risa Hendricks. Markham can play one way, and when he plays that way, as you say, a touch player, very good on the up, very mm. good against uh, sort of traditional style uh, pace bowlers. Looks a million dollars. That's you know denying it. You you watch Aidan Markham cover drive, and you think this guy's got it. Yeah. But I think that you're looking at, certainly in the way my squad is selected, and the way that I would like the South African squad to be uh, constructed. You're looking for a guy who can perform multiple roles, and I think Reza Hendricks uh, fits that bill better than Aidan Markram does at the moment. All right. I mean, that's a very persuasive thing to say. So uh, for now, I will, I think, stick to Aidan Markram. Also, the other thing, of course, is that has he played any tests in England, and does he have any record or good record in England? That might go uh, one or the other way, because I know Reza Hendricks, I don't think, has played in England yet, right? I don't think he's played for South Africa in England. Uh, Aidan uh, Markram was the was the sub batsman throughout South Africa's last Test tour, mm-hmm. so he didn't. He may have played uh, a couple of tour games, but he's not played. Uh, he, well, he has played county cricket over here. Actually, he had a terrible season last year, but has started see. this season uh, reasonably well. Uh, again, how much how much you can read into uh, into domestic one day cricket is a is an open question, uh, shall we say? I think in both cases you're picking from uh, players who have. Limited experience in Markham slightly shading it because he's been in county cricket, albeit not not that successfully. Okay, so you know what? I think you persuaded me. I think we will also choose, or we will say we'll keep Markham in R15, but we are going to say an R with Riza. I had Riza as an R for Amla. I'm going to say we can comfortably say he's, he's an R for us for. Markram. So I would be happy to see him replace Markram. If I can't convince you with Hashim Amla, I'm not going to be getting very far. No, Hashim Amla is not going anywhere. Hashim Amla is going. That's quite a trump card to play. He had a 300 man in England and that I remember. I I can close my eyes and see some of those drives. So yes, he should go. That's my 
record as well. I mean, that's my opinion as well. But yeah, you know what? I think we have our 15s. We are going to announce it on Twitter shortly. And I'm sure you can also rebut us there. But for me, I sort of agree with what you say. Maybe Riza Hendricks should be going instead of Makram. Let's see. All right, then, Nakul. Uh, what do you think are South Africa's chances at the upcoming World Cup? Opening, given that they're playing England and India, who are the two pre-tournament favourites in their first three games. If they game against Bangladesh, uh, they will, I think they will win that. If they don't, they're in serious trouble. Uh, then uh, a couple of really potentially tricky games against the West Indies and Afghanistan. I think they should beat the West Indies. The matchup works quite well there. Afghanistan could be tricky, given Afghan- uh, South Africa's uh, particularly uh, poor record against the spin with Rashid Khan and, and Mujibur Rahman and Mohamed Nabi. Uh, then it comes down, I think this will, these last sort of three games will decide very much how Sri Lanka are looking. I think New Zealand will be too strong for them, but I can see them beating Pakistan and Sri Lanka. Uh, the Australia game, if Australia have already qualified, then they, they may be playing uh, a couple of bench players. If Australia still need to qualify to win that game to qualify, then I think uh, South Africa uh, may be in a little bit of trouble. My prediction is that South Africa will fall just short of the semi-finals. I expect them to finish fifth or sixth. All right. Thanks a lot, Nakul. So, Giri, what do you think of South Africa's chances in the upcoming World Cup? Okay, uh, let's go through the list of matches uh, that they play in this World Cup. So, there are nine matches to be played because they will be play against, playing against nine other teams. They start off with the start of their uh, World Cup campaign against England at the Oval. Uh, and my prediction for this will be that England is going to win on their current form as well as their strength. Um, the next match they play is against Bangladesh. I'm going to say South Africa will win this uh, match against Bangladesh. Uh, after that, they play against England at, uh, sorry, uh, they play against India at Ajayas Bowl. Um, uh, I think India will pull this off. So India should be uh, fine to, you know, um, pull that off. Um, mm-hmm. The one after that, they play against West Indies. Um, well, I already predicted this when we covered West Indies uh, predictions, you know, West Indies uh, matches. And I, I'm going to say still South Africa is going to win that. The one after that, they play in Cardiff uh, against Afghanistan. South mm-hmm. Africa, I think, are probably a bit too strong for Afghanistan. Um, and after that, they are going to play, play um, uh, New Zealand in Edgebaston, Birmingham. Um, because New Zealand is right now, I think, the top three team. Uh, and also, they have such a good team. I'm going to say New Zealand will uh, win that match. Okay. Um, the next one is a big one at Lords against Pakistan. Um, the Pakistan-South Africa series that recently concluded in South Africa. South Africa, I think they they would j- j- barely managed to you know pull that off. I think it was a 3-2 result in the end. But Pakistan, um, because it's later in the tournament, if Pakistan is firing on all its cylinders, I think they might mm-hmm. pull an upset. Uh, however, I'm going to say South Africa probably will win that. But you never know, South uh, Pakistan might surprise us all. Shock us all, in fact. Of course. Um, then they play against uh, Sri Lanka. South Africa will play against Sri Lanka. Uh, and I think South Africa will win that based on uh, the previous results in the in the series they played in uh, South Africa recently. The last one they play is against Australia. Um, mm-hmm. And this, I think if 
uh, if South Africa have done well until then, if they have probably won five, you know, I think one, two, three, four matches, this could well be kind of a decider for the knockout phases uh, based on what Australia, you know, has in in their points uh, tally. Um, I will say Australia will be a bit too strong for South Africa, but yeah, it could go either way. I, I, I'm going to say Australia. So if I look at my predictions, then I give five wins to South Africa. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So should be should probably get them very close to a knockout. Uh, you know, the, the semi-finals, but you never know. Um, so what what are, what do you think about this? What are your predictions, Ajit? Well, I mean, I sort of agree with you all the way, uh, except. I mean, I think this Pakistan match is a potential banana peel, right? And I have a feeling the West Indies match can also be a potential banana peel somehow for the South Africans, right? Uh, but I, I would still say they would get to the, uh, let's say, um, the last round of matches with, uh, I think, four or even five wins. If they are with five wins, well, it, it would be, a, I think, a straight knockout between Australia and South Africa at that point in time. But otherwise, it might it might become very, very interesting that if both teams, South Africa and Sri Lanka have, sorry, South Africa and Australia have 4-4 wins each, that match could very well assume a quarterfinal status, so to say. And uh, I'm afraid South Africa, because, well, uh, as we discussed earlier, the C word might come in. But outside of that, I mean, I would like to think they are sort of well-placed to make the semi-final. I think five wins should sort of see them into the semi-final. Uh, so I agree with you with five wins. Let's stick with that. Mm, okay. Well, I'm curious how will this will all turn out. Uh, look forward to uh, you know seeing them play against England on the 30th of May in the World Cup. Of course. All right. Moving on to the other news. This uh, you know this is sort of, sort of the news that have been going on around. I think the India World Cup squad has been announced, so there are no surprises. But uh, I mean, DK took the spot of Pant or you know the backup keeper spot and sort of uh, if we were to quickly go through this. Ah, uh, what, do, what do you have to say, Nako? From a selfish point of view, I'm quite disappointed that Richard Pant hasn't made, hasn't made the squad. I think he's, he is so, so watchable and I think could add a serious spark to that Indian middle order. You can rely on the top three. You can rely on Shikharto and Rohit Sharma and Virat Kohli to do their thing. You know what's going to come from them. Yeah. What you then need is I think this, is, this case is put very well at Ben Jones, who writes for Crickviz, put this very well on Twitter the other day. He was saying that this, this squad has been selected a little bit with kind of the Champions Trophy final and the last Australia tour in mind. It's been selected as a what if uh, the top three don't fire, rather than saying how can we capitalize on their continual uh, success. And mm-hmm. I think I think you, you, what you what you have with this with the selection with with Kerr Rahul, with Dinesh Karthik, although Karthik is unlikely to uh, to play. Uh, so MSK Prasad said the other day, the chairman of selectors, uh, unless MS Dhoni is injured, whether that's the case will remain uh, to be seen. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's a sort of, it's a kind of insurance policy that's been selected with the middle order. Uh, I would have loved to have seen uh, going in with Punt as a specialist batsman, Dhoni down the order with keeping and uh, let Punt and Hardik Pandya try and slaughter teams after the, uh, after a good start, but I can see the logic behind uh, what they've gone with. I think Ambati Raidu is a little bit unlucky, frankly, uh, given yes. that he's been the the incumbent number four for for quite a long time and has 
uh, and has performed in a number of different scenarios and is someone who can kind of rescue an innings uh, on the very rare occasions that it, uh, uh, that it has been needed. Uh, but they've gone with they've gone with DK. They've gone with his uh, so-called clutch hitting, uh, clutch ability, and the fact that he's an extra uh, wicketkeeper as well. So, and Kale yeah. Rahul, we all know how talented Kale Rahul is, and uh, would love to see him succeed. Well, I mean, not, not many surprises in the bowling. Yes, I mean the bowling sort of selects itself. You're absolutely right. I mean, I offered a counterpoint to what you said already for Pant, as eye-catching as he is. I can't see Dhoni bat at four or Jadhav bat at four. And I think because of the right arm uh, filth in air quotes that uh, Jadhav offers, he would always uh, be in the 11. That basically means, you know, we have to sort of push uh, Pant at four. I don't think Pant is really equipped to bat at four in England because, um, you know, uh, it, it, it can become a bit too tough for him with against a swinging ball, right? So anyway, the is, so the ball is not going to be swinging in the middle overs. These no? are not. These are not. This is not going to be the same kind of pitches that we saw in the Test series, where the ball was moving all over the place. In which, ah. incidentally, actually, Richard Punt did quite well. Uh, he did. That hundred at the oval, albeit it was the flattest pitch of the series. These are going to be very different conditions. English ODI pitches and List A pitches have been roads over the last couple of years. Trent Bridge, especially Trent Bridge, you see four hundred and scored quite regularly. The oval is going to be a road. Um, Mm-hmm, I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I understand the logic behind uh, the selection they've gone with. Um, I would have preferred it to go another way, and I've given my reasons uh, for that. But I can mm-hmm. see the logic behind the uh, the more conservative selection, shall we say? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it seems reasonable. But yeah, I'm absolutely also agreeing with you that you know, Ambati Raidu should have been picked. That was that was sad, right? All well, right. What the current fifteen would you have left him out for? Jadeja. Jadeja, really? Yes. Interesting. I, I Jadeja, the Jadeja's in because he can bat. Right yeah, exactly. Not, I know. They're not going to play. They're not going to play three. They might end up playing Jadeja and Kuldeep if they want to get Shami into the team because you're not going to go in with you know if you're going with Booby, oh, no sorry with Shami, Bumra, Kuldeep and Chahel, you're batting with two tens and eleven. Um. I, I, yeah. I think I think John Ajar does actually balance things quite well. He's got a surprisingly good record in England for a, for a guy who you wouldn't expect yes. to um, with with both bat and ball uh, in the last couple of uh, last couple of Champions Trophies. Exactly. I think that was the deciding point. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think they had this big presentation, this data analysis mm-hmm. presentation or some such, this SWOT analysis that was presented to them. I think that may have swayed the selectors in sort of also picking Jadeja. I think also the captain likes him. Kohli likes to have Jadeja in the 15, that flexibility that he gives, right? So this SWOT analysis may have been, you know, this is this is something new, I think, uh, coming that uh, sort of BCCI is sort of a very hegemonic and a very old school sort of an organization. To hear that they actually were willing to sit and listen to a three and a half hour presentation from the CKM Dhananjay, who's the data analyst of the team, a three and a half hour presentation, no SWOT analysis presentation that they did for the, all the World Cup hopefuls and so on and so on. That's that's quite crazy. I mean, that's very almost revolutionary, right? So maybe what you said was exactly what was presented to them, and that's why Jadeja was chosen ahead of Raido, possibly, right? Yeah, I think you'd have to be negligent in these day and age with that much data available to you and having a full time analyst on stuff to not put together a presentation like that. It's interesting. It was quite so. So lengthy, given that really only maybe two or three selections can possibly have been up for debate. 
you know, probably 11, 12 of that squad picked itself. Pretty much. Um, Look, the 11 playing 11 picks itself, more or less. Unless you, you choose a bowler, a faster bowler or a, a fast bowling all-rounder or a spinner. But let's say the 12 picks itself for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, do you want to go with Vijay Shankar or Kero Rahul at four? I think is pretty much the only selection now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, do you maybe go in with a fast bowler ahead of a spinner? I think it would be a mistake to leave out the two wrist spinners, but uh, I can see them going that way. Nah, that, that would be a bit extreme. I would play... I would probably play Yuzi Chahal uh, in most matches because he's a leg break bowler and also... I agree. And maybe if not, you want that guy. The left, the left arm wrist spinner. Yes, the left arm wrist spinner can oh, also oh, go cool, through. Cool deep should play. Cool deep and Bumrah, I think, are in a little bit like uh, Rabada and Tahir versus Africa. You know, they are world-class. Cool uh, deep Yadav is a world-class limited overs wrist spinner. A limited overs spinner full stop, in fact. Uh, Bumrah is the best white ball seamer going. Agreed. Who are going to play and should play every game, uh, for, for sure. Um, I, I would pick both wrist spinners in pretty much every game. I can see if they maybe want to throw Jadeja in for a few games. Um, mm. You know, maybe you won't play the same eleven for all nine group games, uh, just because you don't want to have a situation that injury got into previously, where they've had to bring in someone who's had no game time for a semi-final. Or, or whatever it might be. Assuming India get there, let's not be. Nobody yeah, should be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody <laughs> should be pre- presumptuous. Um, and I think I certainly try and keep my um, my kind of national affiliation reasonably under wraps um, <laughs> from, a, from an analyst's uh, point of view. Right. But yeah, certainly uh, sort of ten or nine or ten of the eleven picks itself. And I think that will. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a good sign going into the World Cup. I think there was a far too much. Uh, idle speculation about the identity of the number four, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's—I uh, think this India side is a lot more settled and and ready than people give it credit for. Certainly in India, right? Of course. Uh, so I mean, India is not the only team that announced the squad, right? Australia also announced the squad. Mm-hmm. Shall we take a quick look at the Australian squad, maybe, and what you have to say about it? Because, uh, well, Stephen Smith and Dave Warner have made a comeback. Josh Hazelwood is not named. And uh, well, I mean, at least Usman Khawaja has made sure he's in the in the 15, right? So uh, there are not a lot of surprises there, except that well, both Warner and uh, Steve Smith were chosen, right? What have you to say, Nako? I guess it isn't a huge surprise given their their caliber. I was nursing a theory that David Warner was going to get Kevin Peterson by Australia, but that seems to be out of the window now. Uh, they seem to have been a little bit. Um, less pig-headed as regards, uh, as regards his selection than England were with Kevin Peterson's uh, way back when. I remember when that was uh, the only thing that anyone could talk about in cricket. Uh, but Smith and Warner coming in is not a huge surprise. I think Warner cert- I think they will, will be in the first choice Australian eleven. It's very harsh on Peter Hanscom, who's batted very well, but he yeah. may have a chance. He'll be with the Australian A tour that's touring England at the same time. And if there's an injury to someone, or if there's an injury particularly to Alex Carey, um, then he'll then he may come in. Incidentally, I think Carey's quite lucky to have kept his his slot as the as the wicket keeper. Um, Hanscom could easily have come in as the uh, as the sole keeper. Uh, Hazelwood's been injured a lot. He's not really played very much, and he doesn't have uh, what Mitchell Stark has. who has also been injured. You know, Stark was uh, Stark at his best is absolutely unplayable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, again, if it will walk into the Australian uh, eleven. 
I can't see them going in with more with two spinners in a in an eleven unless it's a very slow pitcher. I'd imagine Zampa will be the first choice spinner, but uh, you wouldn't expect there to be too many mm-hmm. surprises given the given the run that Australia have been on just in the last couple of months. I say run, really, just that series against India because frankly, a few months ago I wouldn't have been at all surprised if Australia were batting it out, battling it out with Sri Lanka for the wooden spoon. Well, I mean, they've come a long way from there, haven't they? I mean, the, the, all their performances were on subcontinent, air quotes pitches, but still, it's fine. I mean, the confidence you bring into the winning momentum, they say eight matches on the bounce, winning is not something simple, right? So that must count for something. Also, Aaron Finch, I, I would hate to say this, can offer a, offer you a few hours, so can Glenn Maxwell, right? <laughs> Glenn Maxwell, well, yes, but Aaron Finch too, don't forget him. He did a very reasonable job in the... Asian conditions, so to say. And Nathan Coulter Nile has been chosen. So this was something Jai Richardson and Nathan Coulter Nile. I was expecting only one of those two. Jason Berendoff is uh, cut price, Mitchell Stark. But Mitchell Stark <laughs> is the X, X factor. You can't keep him out. Pat Cummins is your not just our course, but he can be the strike bowler when required, right? Uh, they have a very balanced bowling uh, lineup. There's nothing to debate there for me, at least. And Zampa would start a- ahead of Nathan Lyon. That's what I would say, because Glenn Maxwell is already the off-spinning option in that team, right? So, well, I mean, all in all, that's a very balanced uh, lineup, I would say, 15. What do you th- what do you want to conclude with, Nakul? I think a lot of people in England who have um, long and painful memories of Australia winning everything are talking Australia off as potential World Cup favourites. I'd say that they're competing for the semi-final, for the kind of fourth semi-final slot along with a few other, uh, along with a few other uh, teams. Uh, they do look better than they have done at any point in the last probably three years. Um, I don't think the, and incidentally, the fact that they finally consistently selecting Glenn Maxwell has quite a bit to do with that. Uh, yeah. But they've got a, they've got a surfeit of very good top order players. Um, you could have a, uh, you know, a top five of uh, what's it going to be? Probably uh, Warner, Finch, Collado, Smith, and Maxwell is not to be sniffed at. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you, I agree with what you say about that. Pat Cummins is that dual role that he can perform. Um, is one of very few uh, those cricketers who can do that come along very, very rarely. Um, yeah. Australia haven't had a guy like that since Ryan Harris. Uh, Precisely the guy. Precisely uh, the guy. I would have. Yeah. And, and Pat Cummins now seems to have a lot more. Um, physical stamina than uh, than Ryan Harris, who uh, who was alas uh, incredibly injury prone. I think I think Cummins, Stark, and one of Jai Richardson, Berendorf, and Coulter Nile with Adam Zampa is a is a handy uh, mm-hmm. um, is a handy bowling lineup for, for certain. And if Mitchell Stark's anything like uh, his uh, uh, his his best, uh, watch out. Um, and Marcus Stoinis will probably complete the Eleven with his hitting and occasional sort of not occasional but uh, uh, sort of bowling five or six overs here or there. It is a balanced team. I whether it's a team that can win the World Cup, I'm not as um, maybe I don't. I'm not scarred by Australia quite as much. As <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't think it's a team that should be a World Cup favourite. But I think they are a decent bet for the semi-finals. Well, we are we are reviewing them as the fourth favorite team in the World Cup. So, well, we think they'll be in the final semifinals. Let's see if that's true. So, the other team that has also announced their uh, eleven in the uh, well, they announced it today is Bangladesh. So, did you have a chance to look at it, uh, Nakul? Maybe I did, and uh, we we tweeted about it from the Gorilla Cricket account. The some of the big experience name has been left out is Momino Huck, who um, probably hasn't been in the in the Bangladesh 50 over setup 
uh, as a regular for a little while, but obviously he's a very, uh, a very talented player. Um, the surprise, I guess, is that Abu Jayad, the, the seamer who's never played an ODI, has been called into the, the World Cup. This this can work very well, and I think under a, a leader like Mushrafe, uh, a new mm-hmm. guy can uh, can really flourish. Uh, Mushrafe, yeah. I'm a huge fan of his as a as a player and as a captain. I think he's an inspirational uh, leader for Bangladesh, and I think he mm-hmm. uh, he brings in new players very very well, despite uh, the occasional interference of the. Uh, of the board, uh, Lipan Das, I think, is a very good opening partner for Tommy Mitbal. Uh, he was very uh, good during the Asia Cup, and I think in uh, on faster pitches could be uh, could be a really good foil for for Tommy. They've got that experience. Core Tommy Shakib, uh, Momodola, uh, Mushfikur. A little bit light on the spin bowling, honestly. I think uh, Mehdi Hassan is the only specialist spinner in the squad, along mm-hmm. with obviously uh, Shakib, who counts as an all-rounder. Yeah. Uh, Mehdi was. Uh, maybe I think in English pitches uh, on these English ODI pitches on flatter pitches could be hittable uh, frankly mm-hmm. and I think a lot rests on how Mustafi Zur goes because he uh, he looked back to his best year in the Asia Cup uh, yeah, he looked yeah, really yeah. really confident uh, the only uh, and it's particularly well in the Asia Cup uh, final uh, but had an awful champions trophy uh, on pitches that will be much closer to what we'll see in the World Cup. Uh, Bangladesh, are one of the, Bangladesh could easily win a few games. I don't think there's any final contenders. No, no. I think we, I think we gave them three events each, if, if I'm not wrong, me and Kitty. But, I mean, for me, there are only two contesting points. They don't have a backup opener and they don't have a wrist spinner. Only two things no, that, sort, that sort of comes as a surprise because Lytton is slated to open with Tamim. They have not gone for a more uh, seasoned or a more traditional sort of a uh, bunt the new ball sort of an opener, somebody like Imrul Kais, possibly. Or, you know, even the other guy, I forget his name, the guy who opens for uh, uh, not Mominul Haq, was it? Yeah, Mominul Haq. So I would have chosen him just to get him, get the shine of the new ball uh, because Tamim can attack. You need one guy to hold forward, so to say, but never you mind. I mean, that's those were the only two star- talking points, but they don't have many wrist spinners on the radar anyway, I think, Bangladesh. So it yeah, was no, interesting. B- Bangladesh has always been a, a historically left-arm spinner, but, uh, but uh, fingers spinners as well. Mehdi Hassan broke into test cricket with a spectacular series against England that we covered um, and mm-hmm. really loved watching him bowl. He bowls very differently in ODIs. Um, Imbril, uh-huh. uh, you're right, I forgot about Imbril, uh, is the other. He's got a big selection, or non-selection, as it were. Um, they've gone for the sort of utility batters in Somya Sarkar and Samir Rahman. I think both yeah. of whom have opened intermittently, um, and Somya can bowl a little bit of medium pace, which is occasionally very handy in the in the in the Asia Cup. I think he his um, his spell uh, against Pakistan got Bangladesh into the uh, into the Asia Cup final. Uh, mm-hmm. Sabir Man bowls a little bit of uh, leg spin, but I don't think can be relied upon Austin, particularly. Offspin, if I'm not wrong. But is he an offspin? Is he another? Yeah, yeah. But he's, yeah. A, he's a part timer. Uh, yeah, well. yeah. Uh, and whether he'll play, and he's he has a, a checkered pass to say the least, and and is very lucky to that Bangladesh has given him as much rope as they have, given his uh, kind of consistent anger management issues and his consistent taking out his his yeah. anger on people who don't deserve to have their anger taken out upon. Uh, uh, one of those, you know, tantrum uh, kids on the scene like Umar Akmal. Uh, Let's not. I was wondering. I was wondering if Umar Akmal was going to be the next guy you know, because I don't think Umar Akmal has ever beaten up a fan, but. Well, all right. uh, but uh, yeah, Sabir Rahman is uh, uh, Sabir and Somya are both potentially beautiful players to watch, but neither have 
neither have put together runs of, con- of real consistency. Um, mm-hmm. I-, I think there's, yeah, I think that the lack of a wrist spinner is really going to hold Bangladesh back. I think any team going into the World Cup without a wicket-taking wrist spinner is going to really struggle. Yes, so, I mean, it looks like every team is going to punt in, even New Zealand have fish, so the at least one wrist spinner sort of seems minimum on cases of somebody like Afghanistan or somebody, multiple mystery slash wrist spinners. But anyway, let's see how that goes. So that was uh, all the, let's say, uh, news that we wanted to quickly discuss. Well, there is one other sort of slightly prickly topic. I think we'll keep it short. Uh, Chris Vokes has said Jofra uh, Archer uh, being selected in an England World Cup squad would not be fair morally. Well, I mean, Nakul, what have you to say? You probably are closer to the facts than some of us. Um, also, I think uh, both of them had a way in on this. Many other players, I think Chris Jordan may have had something to say and so on. Uh, what have you to say? I mean, uh, do you think if Chris Jordan, uh, if let's say Jofra Archer makes it to the squad ahead of somebody like Chris Jordan or a Chris Wokes or something, would that be fair or maybe even a David Willey? I think it's likely to be David Willey who misses out. Uh, they Kind of my England squad has Jopper Archer in, it has Chris Wokes in. Um, it, it, David Willey is the guy who uh, who misses out along with along with Tom Curran. Mm-hmm. Look, I think it's sadly predictable that uh, these guys like Willey, like Wood, and like Wokes have been, uh, you know, the guys who are potentially at threat from Jopper Archer have been the guys, um, A, that the guys who the, who the press have gone to and said, let's get a quote out of this guy, and B, have risen to the bait. Um, most of what Chris Wokes says was quite bland. Uh, obviously, been saying that you know we'll you know we'll welcome him into the team if he is picked. We know how good he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, think, yeah, yeah. Any any question of it being morally seemed to be a word that he just kind of threw in there, which um, is kind of as a space filler. Obviously, that's going to get picked up. Uh, the rest of the the rest of his comments were uh, were were pretty bland, but. Uh, Look, I, I think Jocker Archer is a hugely talented cricketer, and I think he can add a lot to an England uh, England 15, mm. uh, an England World Cup 15. And, and starting 11, I would, I would have Jocker Archer in my in my starting 11. You've got those ODIs against Pakistan in which you can in which you can play him, uh, so he's not going to come into the World Cup completely cold. There is a bit of a question about his List A experience. He hasn't played very many List A games, only 12, but. He's been playing on the biggest uh, T20 stages in the in the Big Bash and the IPL. His spell for Dekar Rajasthan was uh, was brilliant. Uh, he's kind of one of a very few shining lights in a in, a, in that team. Um, mm-hmm. But I think there's there is a tone regarding the Jofra Archer debate that I'm a little bit uncomfortable with, and it's it's got nothing to do with him. A lot of the tone has had nothing to do with him being a new player coming into the team. It's about this question of his dual nationality. Uh, he has uh, an English father and, and a Barbadian and a Bayan, Bayan rather uh, mother. Yeah. He has a yeah. Brit- he, as, uh, as far as all that concerned, he's got a British passport. He was badly advised by whoever at the time to, that he could send more time out of the country, which is why it's taken him so long. The ECB brought their regulations in line with with the ECB. A seven-year qualification period is for a guy who's not played international cricket with someone else is absurd. It was ridiculous that the, I mean, the ECB were more draconian than the Tory home office, which is, <laughs> uh, you know, that's not a good position for anyone to be in. And I think a lot of the tone regarding Joffrey Archer, uh, we shouldn't be playing this game of, are you sufficiently English enough? It's, it, I, I'm very, very uncomfortable with that, with that tone and with the tone of that debate in any right. times, but particularly in the times that we're going through in the UK. Uh, and in and around the world in the mo- at the moment with uh, with 
political nationalism being the being the the dominant political force uh, currently. Uh, from a particular, from a strictly regulatory point of view, uh, he has qualified. I would love to see Joffre Archer in, in in this England eleven, this England fifteen, and I think the players will get on board with it once he once he comes in and if he performs well. If he performs well, it'll be exactly the same thing as Kevin Peterson. People were griping about that before the two thousand five Ashes. He comes yeah, in, hit that, yeah. hits that fifty at Lords, hits that one hundred and fifty eight at the Oval, and for at least a few years, everyone forgot about it. Well, until he showed up uh, with some interesting text messages. But anyway, um, I don't think uh, Jofra Archer, we need to go down that path. But all in all, I can definitely agree with you in saying that this guy has the X factor. I mean, he's going through the crease. It doesn't look like he's really uh, pushing hard. And it looks like it's almost natural that he's bowling 91 MPH. I don't know how that works. And also, I think he's very handy with the bat and he's fantastic in the field. So why not? Why not? I totally agree. So, I mean, there will always be some reservations. Some people will feel they were a little hard done by. But yeah, these things happen. But all in all, if the team were to always supersede other individual aspirations, Jofra Archer belongs in the 15 and maybe also in the 11, as you said. Right. So, all right. That was a very interesting set of, uh, you know, news to discuss. And uh, you've really added a lot of color to the show, Nakul. And now, if you were to go forward, right, uh, I'd just like to quickly ask the trivia question and then uh, we can round it out. So the trivia question for this week is, which player born in Egypt has represented two teams in tests to 22 years and 222 days apart? I don't know, Nakul, if you already know this answer. Uh, I, I do. It's a very good question and a very fun answer. Exactly. So, but, uh, well, uh, we always give out a hint. Uh, it is definitely maybe something to do with uh, one of the teams that we've had a lot of discussions about in this, you know, in this episode. And <clears throat> we also actually mentioned certain phases of time about that team. If you are to look about it a little bit more carefully, you will realize who the player is. It's, it's very obvious. So that's the hint I can give. So having said all that, I would like to first of all say thank you very much to Nakul. He's, he's had a fantastic, fantastic uh, you know, influence on this episode and added a lot of color. So, Nakul, you would be very much welcome to join us anytime you want. And I hope you had some fun. Yeah, I have. It's always fun talking cricket with like-minded folks and two uh, like-minded folks. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'd be delighted to come back. All right. All right. So, uh, all that remains is then to, you know, uh, ask our uh, regular listeners to make sure they keep listening. Talk about our podcast to your cricket friends. You know, you can get in touch with us on uh, Twitter at ArmchairCrickPod or visit our Facebook page. We are also updating our YouTube page with all the, you know, uh, <clears throat> podcasts in video form. Uh, you can just also listen to it there. We'll put out the links, of course, in the episode notes. Also, you can write into us at armchair.cricket at gmail.com, right? So we are going to now ramp up the uh, analysis of the teams. Uh, we have only four more teams left. You probably know which those four are. So... I hope you will continue listening to us. So having said all that, well, it's the time to say, um, well, uh, before I say something else, maybe Nakul Pandey, you would like to add something? Yes, it would be remiss with me, of course, to not uh, to not plug Guerrilla Cricket. We'll be covering, between ourselves and Guerrilla Cricket South Africa, we'll be covering every single ball of the World Cup, uh, live ball-by-ball ball coverage uh, on, on GuerrillaCricket.com and on our uh, Facebook via our Indian partners at, uh, at Crick Tracker. Uh, but obviously keep an eye on our, our Twitter at Gorilla Cricket uh, 
for further updates on that. But we will be bringing you uh, every single ball of, of, of the World Cup. Uh, those of you who listen to us will know uh, that we do it in a in an interactive and in a properly inclusive style. We are we are for the, the global cricket crowd is the is the, the tagline that we've been using, and we're for uh, we love having the perspectives of people who love watching in cricket and love following cricket from from all over the world. Uh, whatever your background uh, is, it all just it all just makes the show uh, richer. But uh, we hope that you make us your World Cup destination. Uh, so yeah, follow us at Gorilla Cricket, and if you want to follow me for my almost entirely uh, cricket ramblings, at Knuckle M Pandey. Perfect. Anyway, now having said all that. I think it's time uh, for me to say goodbye. You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast.